Hello everyone, this is Tom Fox and I'm the Compliance Evangelist. I'd like to welcome you to my January 2018 podcast series of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program. But first, a word about this month's sponsor, Conversant. As the leading global provider of ethics and compliance cloud software, Conversant connects ethics to business performance by weaving ethics and values into everyday operations in over 600 of the world's largest companies. Its ethics cloud platform provides a suite of applications, Conversant Insight, Conversant's Helpline, Conversant Campaigns, Conversant Disclosures, and Conversant Third Parties that gives executives insight required to make proactive, informed decisions about their company's ethical health. Conversant's customers include Microsoft, Tesla, Four Seasons Hotels and Resorts, Campanini, and Under Armour, who care deeply about driving ethics into the center of their organizations. Check out more at conversant.com. If you have been following me over the past year, you know that I have gone on a one-year exploration of various components of a best practices compliance program. However, during this exploration, there were two very important documents released by the Department of Justice relating to a best practices compliance program. In February 2017, there was the Evaluation of Corporate Compliance Programs document, and in November 2017, there was the announcement of the new FCPA Corporate Enforcement Policy. Therefore, in this month of January, I'm going to lay out for you what should go into your best practices compliance program based upon the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program and these two documents. Over the next 31 days, I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize a compliance program using the most recent DOJ resources. I hope you will join me for the full 31 days as we engage in an exploration to a more effective compliance program. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. Day 29, what is a root cause analysis? One of the new and different items laid out in the evaluation of corporate compliance programs supplementing the 10 hallmarks of an effective compliance program from the 2012 FCPA guidance was around root cause analysis. The performance of a root cause analysis for any compliance violation which may have led to a self-disclosure or enforcement action is now mandatory. This, of course, was brought forward in the new FCPA corporate enforcement program. Under prong one of the evaluation entitled Analysis of Remediation of Underlying Misconduct, it stated, root cause analysis, and then the following questions. What is the company's root cause analysis of the misconduct at issue? What systemic issues were identified? Who in the company was involved in making the analysis? Next, under prior indications, were there prior opportunities to detect the misconduct in question, such as audit reports identifying irrelevant control failures or allegations, complaints, or investigations involving similar issues? What is the company's analysis of why such opportunities were missed? As I indicated, the new DOJ corporate enforcement policy brought this FCPA corporate enforcement policy brought this requirement forward with, for a root cause analysis with the following language. Demonstration, demonstration of thorough analysis of causes of underlying conduct, i.e. root cause analysis, and where appropriate remediation to address the root causes.
Initially, you need to understand the difference between a root cause analysis and a risk assessment. Obviously, you would perform a root cause analysis after an incident occurs, so the extent is reactive rather than proactive. <clears throat> a root cause analysis can be defined as the purpose of a root cause analysis is to strike at the root of the problem by finding and resolving its root causes. The root cause analysis is a class of problem-solving methods aimed at identifying the root cause of problems or events. The practice of root cause analysis is predicated on the belief that problems are best solved by attempting to or to correct or eliminate the root causes as merely opposing as opposed to merely addressing the immediate obvious symptoms. Well-known fraud investigator Jonathan Marks has noted, it is a research-based approach to identifying the bottom line reason of a problem or an issue with the root cause, not the proximate cause, representing the source of the problem. He contrasted his definition with that of a risk assessment, which is something performed on a proactive basis based on the various facts. A root cause analysis <clears throat> analyzes a problem that hopefully will be previously identified in a risk assessment. Marx also contrasted a root cause analysis with an investigation. He noted that in an investigation, we are trying to prove or disprove an allegation. This means that in a compliance investigation, you may be trying to prove or disprove certain transactions could form the basis of a corrupt payment or bribe by garnering evidence to either support or refute the specific allegations. You do not assess blame, and that's the point of a, where a root cause should follow to determine how the compliance failure occurred or was allowed to occur. There's no one formula for performing a root cause analysis. <clears throat> one four-step process is, number one, identify possible causal factors. Two, identify the root cause of those causal factors. Three, identify the communication challenges, which you should address. And then four, prioritize your compliance challenges. Another approach uh, which Jonathan Marks advocates is the five whys approach. As he explained, early questions are usually superficial, the later ones more substantive. Borrowing from Six Sigma, this approach contemplates asking repeated, repeatedly the question why. Five is a good rule of thumb. And by doing so, you can peel away the layers of symptoms which can lead to the root cause of a problem. Very often, the ostensible reason for a problem will lead you to ask another question. That's why it's called the five whys. To use this approach, you should have a protocol. Begin by <coughs> writing down the specific problem to assist you in formulating the issue of the problem. Then begin asking why. Ask why the compliance failure occurred and write the answer down below the problem. But do not stop with the first response. Identify the root cause of the problem and ask why again. Then loop back to step three, which is your third why, until the team's in agreement, that's the root cause analysis team, as to why the problem occurred and what the root cause is. This could take more or less, fewer than five whys. Another approach is the fishbone diagram. And Ben Lockwin wrote about this. <coughs> It, it's a uh, visualization where you put the problem statement at the head of the fish and the casual factors such uh, as the ribs to lead to the head of the fish. By working the group list of casual factors under each category, you begin to develop a visualization of how many things could contribute to 
the root cause. The bottom line is there are multiple ways to perform a root cause analysis. However, it's not simply a matter of sitting down and asking a multitude of questions. You need to have an operational understanding of how the business operates and how they have developed their customer base. Overall, you need to understand what makes an effective compliance program with the skepticism an auditor should bring so that you do not simply accept an answer which is provided to you as you might an internal investigation. Jonathan Marks has stated, a root cause analysis is not something where you can just go ask the five whys. You need trained professionals who really understand what they're doing. So what are today's three key takeaways? Well, number one, the root cause analysis is now front and center anytime you have a compliance failure. You need to do a root cause analysis. You need to have a protocol in place. You need to have an audit trail because this is literally one of the first things the government is going to ask for. Number two, the key is to have a process in place. I've outlined several here. We've talked about the five whys. We've talked about the four-step process of identifying casual factors. We've talked about the fish head, fishbone approach that Ben Lockwin has written about and talked about. Whichever approach you use, you need to have a rigor around that process. And finally, number three, you need to have trained professionals who know what they're doing. If you don't and you do not have the auditor's skepticism, then you will have a problem with the regulators, you will have a problem identifying what led to your compliance failure, and you will have a problem moving forward. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed day 29 of 31 days to a more effective compliance program, and I hope you'll join me tomorrow for day 30. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you for listening to this episode of 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program, sponsored by Conversant. I hope you will join me tomorrow, and indeed for the entire 31 days in January, while I will be exploring the best way to more fully operationalize your compliance program using the most recent resources the Department of Justice has communicated to us, the evaluation of corporate compliance programs, and the new FCPA corporate enforcement policy. This is Tom Fox. Thank you again for listening. 31 Days to a More Effective Compliance Program is a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.